Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Bliss Bean Show. Today, I have a solo episode for you where I want to discuss a personality trait that I think a lot of you in the Bliss Bean audience can relate to or identify with. So I conducted a very informal study of the Meyer Briggs types of the Blispeen audience. I did this by simply posting an Instagram post and asking you guys to comment if you knew what your Meyer Briggs type is. The results of that study showed that a lot of you are INFJs. So for reference, um, when I did that podcast episode where I talked about the Meyer Briggs, I took the test live and I got ISTJ. So apparently ISTJs don't attract a majority of an ISTJ audience, but a lot of you are INFJs. A lot of you were introverts, more importantly, and I'm not exactly sure why that is. I don't know if introverts perhaps are a little more reserved and spend more time with their own thoughts, and so maybe they're more likely to be interested in the topics of personal development. Anyways, that's something that you can theorize on and on about, but I wanted to talk about introversion in general. So... I think there are so many different terms that kind of get lumped together in this category. So you might say that someone is an introvert, you might say they're socially anxious, that they're shy, that they're reserved, that they're quiet, etc, etc. Personally, I wouldn't say that I'm generally socially anxious in some situations, sure. I'm also very conflict averse and that might have to do something with introversion as well. I wanted to find a sort of definition of introversion so I went to Google which is where you find all your reliable info on psychology. So I went to verywellmind.com and they said people who are introverted tend to be inward turning or focused more on internal thoughts, feelings, and moods rather than seeking out external stimulation. So I very much enjoyed this definition because I think that applies to me very much in that I tend to spend more time thinking about how I'm feeling on the inside and what my thoughts are and then interacting with the outside world is almost like an afterthought. It's like something that I need to make sure that I do and that I make time for and prioritize. Otherwise, you know, I might not reach out to people that much or talk to other people very much. Another definition that I hear going around a lot is that introverts are people who get their energy from and who recharge by being alone. On the other hand, extroverts recharge their batteries by spending time with other people. These are definitions I'm sure you have heard as well at some point or another, but something that was new to me that I read about in this Very Well Mind article was that there is a physiological theory for why some people are more introverted and others are more extroverted. So they said that there's this network of neurons in the brainstem called the reticular activating system that is responsible for regulating arousal levels, including wakefulness and transitions between sleeping and waking. And so each person has a basic set point in terms of arousal level. Some people tend to naturally have a much higher set point, others have a much lower one. 
The article says that according to this theory, because introverts tend to experience chronically high arousal levels, they seek activities and environments where they can escape from overstimulation. And then extroverts would have naturally low arousal levels and then I guess seek out other people and stimulating experiences in order to raise that level. And so they say that 15% of people have a minimal set point, 15% have a high set point, and 70% of people are somewhere in the middle. I'm actually not sure if these percentages were scientifically determined or if this is just his theory. Um, you can read the article yourself because I think the way they worded it is a bit ambiguous, but it would explain why there are some introverts, for example, who are actually quite sociable and like to spend time with people even if afterwards they do need to come home and spend time alone in order to recharge their social batteries. It makes sense that not everyone is going to be super introverted or super extroverted and that a lot of us are kind of uh, near the middle of that continuum, but we tend to lean one way or the other. So this article listed eight common signs of introversion and as someone who is identified as an introvert for pretty much my entire life, I thought it'd be interesting to go down this list and see how much of this actually applies to me. And you can follow along as well. You can kind of use it as a checklist to see are you a likely introvert or are you not? So number one is being around lots of people drains your energy. I definitely agree with this statement. It's not that I don't like being around people or lots of people. I can actually find it quite fun but it drains my energy. And I think that's a really important distinction to make is that just because something drains your energy does not mean that you don't enjoy it. Like you can enjoy going on a walk and be super tired after an hour, but that doesn't mean that you don't like walking. It just means that after that walk, you're probably gonna go home and recharge your batteries, your legs, I guess. There is the caveat of, are you talking to close friends or are you meeting completely new people? And I think those are very, very different experiences. So for example, to me, going to a networking event uh, where I don't know anyone and there is a very set goal of making like professional connections, that sounds absolutely exhausting to me. I would need to be very careful to charge up my social batteries beforehand, make sure it's like in the morning or the evening when I have energy. Otherwise, I would just, I would just power down. I think I would shut off. Another interesting thing that I've noticed is that aside from being drained by large groups of people, I think I'm also quite drained by one-on-one -on -one conversations. I think my sweet spot is small groups of people. One-on-one -on -one conversations can be exhausting to me because you have to be ultra engaged when you're talking to just one person. You can't drift off at all. You have to hang on to every word you're saying and as soon as they stop talking, you have to say something so that there's no awkward pause. And of course, one-on-one -on -one conversations can be some of the best. They can be super, um, super deep and rewarding. However, it takes so much social energy that I think this first point of the article, being around lots of people drains your energy, I would amend it to say being around one or many people drains your energy. The second point is you enjoy solitude. Yes, I definitely do. So one of the reasons I did the waking up at 5 a.m. experiment last week was that I really like being alone longer in the mornings. 
Um, I mean, I don't really mind having my family around when I'm making and eating breakfast, but I feel like I kind of prefer having that time to myself. So, I don't know, my family's wake-up times usually vary a lot, but my brother does have school. Sometimes it's in person, sometimes it's online, and I think he has to either be in the school building or be on his computer at maybe 7.45-ish. And so when I would wake up at five, it was super easy to get my morning routine done and get breakfast way before anyone else was awake. I have been thinking a lot about would I actually enjoy living completely alone though? So I used to say that, oh my gosh, it would be my dream to just live in an apartment all by myself, no one around, the whole space to myself, peace and quiet all the time. However, after this year, uh, after the pandemic and after being quarantined, I realized how lucky I was to actually live with other people, to live with my dad and brother and always have them around. Like, if I'm working and I get tired and I just want to break and go talk to someone or watch TV with someone, there's always someone downstairs available to do that with. Is it the same as living with roommates? I do not know. I cannot tell you. Um, when I'll be in Spain for college, I'm gonna have my own room. Having double rooms in the student residences there I think is pretty uncommon, so it was very easy for me to get a single room, which is what I wanted, but I really like the fact that aside from having my own place to sleep and work and my own bathroom, there's gonna be a shared kitchen and like shared study and living spaces. And I think that's a really good balance. I think that's also an ideal balance for a workplace. I don't remember, wait, maybe I do remember. I think it was maybe Deep Work by Cal Newport where I was reading about this, but in some book, they were talking about how the open, uh, the open floor plan office arrangement has been pretty trendy, you know, like a big open space where everyone can see each other and everyone has desks and it's, uh, it's an environment of collaboration and community. But in reality, that's a super distracting environment and a lot of people can't get their best work done when there's all these people around them and sounds and stuff. And so the working environment that they described as ideal in this book was a setup where everyone has their own office, like a private space to be on their own in quiet or with music if they want it. Like they can, they can design that environment to be however they want it to be and know that no one's going to interrupt them but then there is a shared space where whenever you're needing some inspiration whenever you're a bit tired you can go out and you can talk to other people and share ideas and once you get those new ideas you have your own private office to come back to to work on them so that long ramble is all to say that yes i very much enjoy and appreciate solitude i also appreciate uh, occasional connection with other people, so I think a balance of that is ideal. Number three is you have a small group of close friends. So as I was outlining this episode, I was trying to think how many close friends do I have at the moment whom I talk with consistently? And I think I counted four. I would say four right now. And the thing is, I don't know if this point is saying that you know, this small group of close friends has to remain the same or that everyone in that small group of close friends knows each other really well. I think in my life, I have like some big circles, some big groups of friends where everyone knows each other and they often do things together. 
but the people who I personally talk to a lot and have close like one-on-one friendships with those kind of rotate you know so I have drifted out of touch with some people I have gotten back in touch with others um it's just you know with the seasons of life you talk to different people and so I wouldn't say that I've ever had what you might see in movies where there's like a close-knit group of friends that have known each other since they were little kids and they they stick together all through school and college and their lives I don't know if that even happens outside of movies, but that is not how my life has been. My life has just been more like, sometimes you connect and resonate more with one person and you have a really deep friendship with them and then you drift apart and you talk to other people and that is perfectly all right. Related to introversion though, I would say that one trait of introversion for me is that it is difficult for me to maintain more than a few close friendships at the same time. And that's why I think that number kind of stays, kind of kind of hovers around four close friends for me. Because I feel like I do have more than more than four friends, but they're not close friends. I would not call them acquaintances because I would totally introduce them as like, hey, this is my friend so-and-so, but we just don't talk consistently and aren't super close. And that's all right. My introvert brain just cannot handle like having um, close relationships with more than four close friends at a time. Number four is people often describe you as quiet and may find it difficult to get to know you. So quiet was definitely a personality trait of mine way back when I was little, like elementary school and middle school. However, I would not call myself quiet now. I think I sort of grew out of that. And I don't mean that to say that being quiet is a negative thing and being outgoing is a positive thing. I think we hear that narrative way too much and I don't necessarily think it's true. There's actually this book that I personally have not read but my friends really liked called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. So um, just in the little Amazon preview, it says, Susan Cain argues that we dramatically undervalue introverts and shows how much we lose in doing so. She charts the rise of the extrovert ideal throughout the 20th century and explores how deeply it has come to permeate our culture. So I just want to clarify that I'm not trying to say like, oh, I grew out of being quiet and that's such a good thing. I think I had almost like latent personality traits of being outgoing and energetic that were only activated once I had opportunities to share that side of myself. For example, being in leadership positions in clubs where I was kind of forced to be more outgoing and show more of that side of myself because as a leader, you had to be the person motivating other people and giving them energy. However, I don't think that if you took someone who was very quiet and introverted, that they would necessarily experience that same transformation. I think for me personally, it was that I kind of all along had that more energetic, extroverted, outgoing, whatever side to myself. I just couldn't reveal it until I gained a little bit more self-confidence and self-assurance. As for people finding it difficult to get to know me, completely disagree with that. I actually think I'm very easy to get to know. I feel like I open up. Actually, I don't know. Maybe I just am deluding myself into thinking this. But I feel like I open up pretty easily when I meet new people. And 
maybe as a result of having a YouTube channel and an online presence and talking about myself possibly more than is healthy for a person, I am pretty willing to share information about myself. So this is the first bullet point so far that I don't really agree with. Number five is too much stimulation leaves you feeling distracted and unfocused. Absolutely agree with this. One of the quotes in the article said, introverts tend to prefer a quieter, less harried setting. And I think that is part of the reason why I like planning and organization. I like being able to figure out how my day will go more or less to kind of control the environment around me. And like I said before, I don't think that being an introvert necessarily means that you don't enjoy being around people. It just means that it's tiring for you, but you can still have fun with it. And so similarly for this point, I think that environments that are more chaotic and stimulating like concerts um carnivals never really been to like a huge wild party so that's why i'm not listing that example but environments like that can be fun it's just it's draining and you need time after that to recover from it so yes generally i do prefer spending my day without distractions being able to focus and not having to react to spontaneous things that are coming my way Whereas I think that there are people, maybe extroverts, maybe it's a different personality trait, that do kind of like going with the flow more and having a bunch of unexpected things happen in their day. Number six is you are very self-aware. So this isn't really something that I used to link to being an introvert, but I guess it does make sense. I love personal development, as you probably know, and that obviously relates to thinking about your life and sort of analyzing your thoughts and things like that. Number seven, you like to learn by watching. So you prefer to learn by observing rather than jumping right into something to give it a try. I had trouble with this point because I feel like it does not apply to my life very much. I think it applies more to physical skills like playing an instrument or cooking, Whereas most of the skills that I know or learn these days, I feel like are more just mental skills, you know, like learning how to send an email campaign and convert kit or something like that. Like you don't really watch someone do that multiple times and then practice it yourself. So I tried to put myself back in the shoes of my younger self. Um, I don't think many people know this about me, but I actually figure skated for quite a few years. Um, I think I started when I was in elementary school and probably finished at the start of middle school or before then. And so I was thinking, okay, how did I react when we were supposed to learn a new skill and our teacher was showing us how to do it on the ice? Did I want to try it right away or did I want to observe more before I gave it a try? I think I wanted to observe more, but I just don't really understand this whole bullet point in general. I, I don't feel that learning by watching is something that's that closely tied to introversion anyways. But moving on, the last point I definitely enjoy a lot more. The last point says you are drawn to jobs that involve independence. So I think you know that this applies to me. I've always been pretty business minded, like from a very young age. I think part of that came from my parents and their encouragement, but if this article says that wanting a job with independence is also a trait of introversion, then maybe it also stems partly from me being an introvert. So in my life, I guess my two main jobs have been photography and now YouTube. So both of those are super duper independent. 
However, I do want to make a distinction and say that I don't think that independence in a job necessarily means that you work completely alone. I think it also involves autonomy, like how much control you have over the work that you are doing. I think it also involves just having blocks of solo work time where you're not distracted by and interrupted by other people. Because for example, in my work, as much as I do really appreciate the fact that I can work independently, I also really, really miss working with other people and being in a collaborative environment. So working with my assistant lately, getting feedback on videos from other people, doing collaborations with other YouTubers, etc. That kind of thing has lately been making my work so much more enjoyable. And so even though I'm an introvert, I would not want to work on the Bliss Bean in a vacuum and have no one else to bounce ideas off of, no one else to be creative with, um, no one else that I can outsource other tasks to. On the other side of the continuum though, I also would not want to just like suddenly snap my fingers and have the Bliss Bean be a company of a hundred people and especially if I were not in a position of leadership in that company. So once again, there's like, there's pros and cons to working alone, but I think that introverts tend to value those traits like independence, autonomy, and solo work more than extroverts do. So now that we've gone down this list and hopefully you've been able to decide for yourself whether you think that you are an introvert or not, I would like to pose a question. Why does it seem like so many people are introverts? And I think if you're listening to this podcast, then you will probably have had the same experience of me where a lot of the people around you are also introverts. So you can relate to those people. You can feel comfortable knowing that if you say some introverted thing like, oh, I just want to stay home today and read a book and not go out and party, a lot of people will be able to relate to you. So one of my theories for this is that maybe this YouTube niche is just well suited to introverts. We already talked about how introverts spend more time with their own thoughts. They like analyzing their thoughts and just thinking about life. And so it would make sense that they are then more interested in personal development, planning, organization. I feel like you could also lump studying into that category as well. And so because I spend all of my working hours immersed in this YouTube bubble, this YouTube sphere, and because a lot of the content that I consume is also related to that, maybe that's giving me a sort of distorted perception of not only what the internet world is like, but just the world in general is like. Because at the moment, it seems to me like so many people are introverts. Another theory I had is maybe as an introvert, you're just more likely to be attracted to other introverts. And I don't mean romantically, like maybe you just tend to make friends who are also introverts because you would probably have somewhat similar interests. And I think there's benefits to being friends with other introverts. For example, when I traveled to Portugal with a friend, I realized that we were kind of a perfect match for traveling because we were both definitely pretty introverted and so we both needed time to recharge our batteries. So I never felt like I was being dragged along um, all day long to like, let's go to this museum and let's take this tour and let's talk all night long. There were a lot of times during our trip together where we would literally be like, yeah, we're both tired. Let's just go back to our hostel and spend some time alone in our bunks. Of course, I do also think that there's gotta be benefits to 
an introvert being friends with an extrovert as well because then they can kind of push you out of your comfort zone. Um, the extrovert can encourage the introvert maybe to try something new and the introvert might encourage the extrovert to spend some more time on thinking and self-reflection. However though, I think friendships often form not because a person uh, is a good challenge for you, but because a friendship is just easy and a good fit. And so as a result, I've become surrounded by many, many introverts in my life. And perhaps there are friend groups out there that are primarily extroverts, and they're thinking the same thing. They're thinking, hey, look at our friend group. Everyone here is extroverts. Everyone in the world must be extroverted. Where are all the introverts? And then finally, the last theory, which is actually, I think, the most interesting one and the one that inspired me to make this podcast episode, is that introverts are just more vocal about their introversion than extroverts are about their extroversion. So I heard about this on the Not Overthinking podcast. I, I think I referenced this podcast on my very first podcast episode, so they present some very interesting perspectives and thoughts. This is Ali Abdal's podcast. He does this podcast with his brother. If you want to check it out, I'll put it in the show notes. So in this one episode, they discussed a tweet from Agnes Callard, who tweeted that introvert is an identity category. Introverts see being an introvert as an important part of their character, who they are, a bond they have with other introverts, something others should know about them, etc. This seems to me to be far less true for extroverts. So it was very interesting reading the replies for this tweet because many people had lots to say about this. Someone hypothesized that this is because introverts understand themselves better because they're introverts. Someone hypothesized that this is because introverts understand themselves better because they're introverts. They spend more time thinking about their personalities and thus have more thoughts to share on the experience of being an introvert. Someone else said that they do this to defend behaviors that can be perceived as awkward or rude. So I think this ties back to that book I was telling you about, Quiet, by Susan Cain. So she was talking about how being an extrovert has sort of become the ideal in our culture. And so if you are an introvert and you don't want to go to a party or you don't want to hang out or you don't talk much in a conversation, you might feel like that's the wrong thing to do because that doesn't match with the outgoing extroverted ideal. And so then you would want to explain that you are an introvert so that people understand why you're acting that way. And then someone else said, maybe this is because introverts feel out of place so often. And so it's comfortable to have a quick explanation. Extroverts are naturally more comfortable in society, so there's nothing to explain away. So all of these tweets and comments together, I think made a lot of sense. So let's say someone is very extroverted and they enjoy going out all the time, hanging out with people, going to parties. They might share that online. You know, they might post photos and videos of them going out, but I don't think they would ever comment like, oh, I'm so extroverted and this is why I'm doing this. I think on the other hand, introverts who might be, as we said, staying home to read a book and skipping out on whatever social event is happening that night, they might feel more like they need to explain why they're doing that. They probably have spent more time thinking about this personality trait of theirs and so they're just more likely to talk about it. So the end result of all of that is that if we hear way more people talking about their experience of being an introvert and almost no one who is an extrovert 
is really sharing much about their experience with that and we just kind of assume that that's the default way to be then it might seem like a lot a lot of people disproportionately are introverted i think i'm going to do a poll on my instagram stories similar to my informal meyer briggs study that i did but just the one question do you think you're introverted or extroverted I suspect that the answers are going to skew heavily towards the introverted side um, because of all the reasons I've listed. I feel like if you follow me, it's because you identify with me in some ways. And because I'm an introvert and just display some of the traits, interests, hobbies, etc. of an introvert, you probably have a similar personality to mine. For the final section of this podcast, I wanted to move on to a different but definitely very related topic of losing friends. So in that section where one of the points of being an introvert is that you just have a couple of close friends as opposed to a lot of acquaintances or just friends that you don't know as well. So as I said, I feel like I generally have maybe three to five people who I talk to a lot. And so naturally, that means that as I make new close friends, I will drift apart from some of my other close friends. In my life, this drifting apart, I've noticed, has been a very natural process. Um, I've never really intentionally decided to, okay, going to talk less to this person, going to focus now more on this other person. I've been very lucky to have had fantastic friendships that all faded very naturally. I've never gotten into a fight with a friend. Like, I honestly don't even know what we would fight about. Just a friendship has never ended on bad terms. For example, the first time I would say that a friendship really ended was I had a really good friend in elementary school and then my family moved in the middle of third grade, so I had to go to a different school. And of course, you know, we tried to keep in touch a little bit, as much as you can in third grade, like before you have phones and stuff. Uh, I don't know, maybe third graders these days have phones, but when I was in third grade, no one had a cell phone. So we tried to keep in touch. We would invite each other to birthday parties, but that just becomes less and less frequent and that friendship kind of fades away very slowly. I, of course, made a great group of new friends, but then this entire process repeated itself at the end of elementary school because I went to a different middle school from all of the people, most of the people that I went to elementary school with. So this tight-knit group of four close friends that I had, I was the only one out of them to go a separate path, and we had the best of intentions to stick together throughout those three years of middle school. I remember I invited that friend group to a birthday party where I also like had my new middle school friends, and one of my elementary school friends, she got me a birthday card and it said something like, it seems like the only reason to look forward to high school is that we'll get to be with you again. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. Um, honestly, it was such a cute friendship. I'm so grateful for all of my friendships. But, you know, life happens, people change, especially in middle school. I feel like people change so much because it's adolescence. So, of course, personalities are going to change completely. So we went our separate ways when we were technically reunited back in high school and we were in the same building. We barely talked, like we just went our separate ways. I made another group of new friends. And so just in this way, I have drifted apart from a lot of really deep friendships in my life. On other occasions, I have reconnected with some friends. For example, 
I was really close friends with someone in middle school. We kind of drifted apart a little bit in high school, but then after we graduated, we completely reconnected and it was like a whole new friendship, you know? It was amazing how life somehow brought us back together in that way. I've also recently made some internet friends, which is a very new experience. And so overall, I think that the fact that I haven't really had the same group of friends ever since I was little and that lasted me throughout my entire life has been a positive experience. I think it's good to get to know new people in that way. I don't remember exactly which video this was from. It's very possible that I'm just making this up completely. Uh, maybe I dreamt this. But I do believe that in one of her videos, Ashley from the YouTube channel Best Dressed was talking about just dating and love in general. And she said that falling in love involves learning about yourself. That in the process of falling in love with another person, you just discover new things about yourself. And honestly, cannot verify whether or not this is true. But in a way, I think that the same concept applies to friendships. You get to know a new person and by hanging out with them, they kind of present a different perspective on your life. You might get to try different experiences, they might share their hobbies and interests with you, and introduce you to some new things that you've never tried before. I think having my friends change a lot has also been positive in the fact that it has shown me that I can make friends in pretty much any situation. I was super scared going into middle school and hardly knowing anybody, I actually remember, so I sort of had this decision to make whether I wanted to go to that school that everyone was going to or go to this other school and there were definitely pros and cons to both but as I was making my pros and cons list I was very dramatic about it and in the cons list of going to that new middle school I just wrote no friends as if like I would not make a single friend in my entire three years at that school. But of course, I went to that middle school, made a whole new group of friends, it was all good. Made a whole new group of friends in high school, again, it was all good. At this point, I just know that wherever I go in life, I will be able to find new friends. And that is a very encouraging thought for me going into college soon. The thought intimidates me of once again being thrown into an environment where I know pretty much no one, but if past experience is worth anything, and I really think it is, I know that I will always be able to find someone that I connect with enough to form friendships with them. You know what's really ironic is that this entire episode was about introversion, and as an introvert, I find it pretty difficult to record podcast episodes. I'm also just like pretty tired and antisocial today, so recording this completely drained me, but I think it was worth it. I wanted to share that message on introversion with you. So three takeaways from today's episode. First of all, I want to tie the message of this episode back to the episode that I did with my friend a while back that was about the Meyer Briggs personality types. So my friend Madeline really emphasized that knowing your personality type should not be something that restricts you. The example that she gave was that when I took the Meyer-Briggs test in the past, I got ISFJ, and the recommended careers for that were uh, helping professions, things like nursing or teaching, which really did not interest me at all. 
And she said, the wrong way to interpret your Meyer-Briggs result is if I were to get that result and be like, oh shoot, I guess I have to be a teacher. Guess I'll go study teaching in university and just be miserable for the rest of my life. So any of these personality typing tests, whether we are talking about the Meyer-Briggs or introversion versus extroversion, you should not use them as a template that restricts you, but just rather as a gentle and helpful tool for perhaps seeing areas of your personality that you might want to develop, areas that you might want to grow in, just be able to better understand yourself and why you react in certain ways in certain situations, but not feel like you have to always act the way that an ISFJ would or the way that an introvert always would. The second takeaway is that even though it's not really possible to give one-size-fits-all friendship advice, just based on my life experiences and those of the people around me that I've seen, I would say don't feel like you have to hold on to old friendships. Friendships just aren't meant to last forever. And I also don't think romantic relationships are meant to last forever either, but that's a whole uh, topic for another podcast episode. For now, I just want you to know that it is okay to drift apart from a friend. It doesn't have to be seen as a negative thing. You can be really grateful and appreciative for the friendship that you had with someone while it lasted, but personalities change, life situations change, people just drift apart, and that's all right. You will always find new friends. Finally, the third takeaway is to just try something new once in a while. So like I said, identifying as an introvert or an extrovert should not mean that you always feel pressure to make the decision that an introvert or an extrovert would make in any given situation. I think it's good to use this as a way to sort of push your boundaries a little bit. So for example, as an introvert, I know that I feel comfortable being on my own or being in quiet, uh, structured environments without many distractions, but what would it be like if I decided to go to an event with lots of people? It might be enjoyable, I never know. What would it be like if I went to a coffee shop to get some work done with a friend rather than just always being alone in my room working at my desk? These are little experiments that you can try and your understanding of whether you are an introvert or an extrovert can help you in figuring out which of those experiments might provide you with that tiny push out of your comfort zone that might be just the thing that you need to grow. For today's action step, in the spirit of personal development, I want you to think about, first of all, do you think you're an introvert or an extrovert? And then what is one good thing about that personality trait that you appreciate? For example, as an introvert, I do appreciate the fact that I kind of naturally tend to think about my thoughts, analyze my thoughts, think about my life, um, make future plans, all of that good, fun, personal development-y stuff that I'm super interested in. And then conversely, um, I don't necessarily want you to think of something negative, but just one little thing that you might want to work on that would push you outside of your comfort zone as an introvert or an extrovert. So like I said, pushing myself out of my comfort zone as an introvert might look like going to a gathering with a lot of people or, I mean, once it's safe with the pandemic, of course, or uh, working with another person, studying with another person if you normally prefer to work or study alone. For today's Blissbean updates, we are finally back on a normal uploading schedule and this makes my heart just so happy. Last week, I uploaded that video where I experimented with waking up at 5 a.m. every single day. That was 
interesting. <laughs> it was something I regretted when I had to wake up at 5 a.m. on Monday morning, but as you will see in the video, the week I think progressively got better. This week I will be uploading a video where I'll take you through my entire weekly planning routine and I'll show you exactly how I planned out this week, how I conducted my weekly review, how I figured out what tasks I needed to do, and how I scheduled them in a time blocking fashion. My recommendation for today is Ali Abdal's blog. I mentioned his podcast, Not Overthinking. There was a phase, maybe a couple of months ago, where I was completely obsessed with his YouTube channel. I was watching all of his videos. Um, I drifted away from that the way one might drift away from a friendship. But I recently decided, I don't even know why, I thought I'm gonna check out his blog. And it turns out he's actually been trying to write more blog posts and I find them very, very interesting. So he did a recent one where he did an update on all of his goals for 2021. And I think he's trying to make that a monthly thing. So he just does like monthly annual goal updates. He talks a lot about YouTube, about personal development. He'll share notes from conversations with other people that he had. There was one that I liked where he shared with us the notes that he took in a... It was like a YouTuber Zoom call. Um, if I remember correctly, it was him, Matt Diavella, Thomas Frank, and Nathaniel Drew. I really hope I'm not leaving anyone out. Um, I don't mean to do that out of disrespect, but those are the names that stood out to me and that I remember. But they set up like this quarterly call to talk about how stuff was going with their YouTube channels. And the insights that he wrote down from that were pretty interesting because just in case you haven't heard of these YouTube channels, like they're they're huge, they're very big. So it's very interesting to hear how someone with such a huge platform and audience that has been arguably super duper successful views this whole YouTube thing. So that is it for today's episode. This fellow introvert is absolutely exhausted and also very hungry. So I hope you didn't hear my stomach grumbling in the episode. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at The Bliss Bean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's TheBlissBean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at TheBlissBean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.